What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Corbin Claypool Show. This is the first episode. Excited to bring this to you. I have one of my good buddies on who I met through jujitsu and through real estate. Um, I thought he'd be an interesting person to bring on because he has a lot of knowledge on marketing that he's doing in his business with different things online, chat GPT, and we're going to get into it. So appreciate you coming on, dude. Let's kind of get into this chat GPT thing, dude. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell the guest about that. How has that impacted your business and what did you do uh, with it? Yeah, well, what's funny is, is when I first kept hearing about it, I kept getting sent news articles from people that weren't in real estate telling me about how this chat GPT is changing real estate and the things <laughs> that they were saying in these articles, I was like, this isn't doing anything for us. Like I didn't see any value in it. And then I started playing with it. And then I started kind of going down the chat GPT rabbit hole. And uh, now I'm using it for all kinds of different parts of my business. And um, But I've learned that it's really important kind of how you feed your information into it. So you're actually getting quality responses back because a lot of this stuff I've seen so far, people are kind of getting generic, you know, generic uh, type copy back to them. But uh, I've been fine tuning and watching some videos and getting pretty good at loading into it everything about me and kind of what I'm about. And that way it's writing articles from my own perspective mm-hmm. and, uh, and making sure that, I mean, there's all kinds of layers that you can go through, but uh, one of the big ones is making sure that you're also giving it an outline of all the topics you want it to cover. Uh-huh. And here comes in the family right now. <laughs> What's up guys? Come here, come here, throw this on the podcast, get them on there. What's up, dude? What's up, buddy? No, come over here. <laughs> Come here. Hi. Say hello into the microphone and look into the camera. Look over here. What is that making noise? Yeah, it's not making noise. It's, you talk into it. It records your noise. It records your yeah. <laughs> it makes a noise if you say hello, but it'll say hello to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll say hello on the camera. I wanna say yeah. Okay, go go to mommy. <laughs> I'll see you later. The jungle gym to get away. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's pretty good about not knocking stuff over. I know. I was yeah. I was nervous with all the cords, but no, he yeah. was careful. He got through it. So, Mission impossible. Yep. But okay, so in this chat GPT thing, because I'm really curious about this, because I want to know how I can implement this, implement this in my business, and I feel like this will yeah. make a big difference for people. So, so, so I mean, exactly how I'm using it in my business probably would vary how you can from how you can use it in yours. But I think the big common thing is is figuring out on your website and on your online presence, what your search terms are that people are finding you under, and then figuring out how you can capitalize and put more content that matches up with those search terms so you can place higher, but without actually spending money on ads. And that's the big thing that I started doing that I've already started seeing my traffic increase almost tenfold on my amount of impressions I'm getting on Google. And my placement has gone up almost half the uh, half positions. So that's crazy. So what do you attribute that to? Just like Google putting your page at the top of the list or? Yeah. So you can actually see in your Google analytics, how high you're ranking on average in those different search queries. So I can see like, as of three months ago that I may have been averaging, you know, 56th position. And now I might be averaging 12th position or second position every once in a while. So I I can watch the position go up and then I can watch the impressions skyrocket. And then the clicks follow right after that. Okay. And, uh, but one of the big ways I think that we've accomplished it is like I said, it's all about front loading the chat GPT with the information on how you want it to be approaching your, your topic, but also giving it answers that you want it to be solving. 
And uh, one of the things I started doing is, is on all the search terms that were commonly being found on, I'd put that into Google and then I would see all the recommended Google searches that people are also searching or questions they're asking about this term. And all those recommended questions, I would preload those questions also in a chat GPT and let it know I want it to be answering all these questions while it's writing me my article. That way, my copyright of, of about a Clovis community or you know Harlan Ranch neighborhood, it's not just telling all about the history of that neighborhood, but it's also answering the questions people are asking about online. So then you have kind of all the information from all the different websites kind of all in one place. So you're li more likely to rank higher on Google. Gotcha. So are you including just like real estate specific stuff? Or are you doing like restaurants, bars in Clovis, different things like that? Or? No. So that's like one of the things that I'm telling <laughs> ChatGPT. And part of it is, is you don't want it to write what you want it to write with just one prompt. I give it instructions and I ask it, you know, do you understand? Because I'm still preloading it. So I'll probably go 10, 12 commands in deep uh, before I'll have it start writing my story. And one of the things I'm having it do is I, I ask it to include as many landmarks, local landmarks, um, or local, uh, you know, buzzing businesses, restaurants, or uh, large commercial businesses located inside the community. Um, so, for instance, when I did a, a you know a story on Fresno, I talk about the Grizzlies, I talk about Pelco, I talk about the big industries that are in our town. And what's funny is, is a lot of that information. I mean, I'm learning as it's writing these stories because I'm giving it all the information I'd like to know about my area, and then it's actually giving me information back that I wasn't even aware of, and it's educating me as I'm having it write these articles, which is pretty fascinating. Gotcha. Gotcha, man. Yeah, no, that's powerful. One thing we were talking about before the podcast was you have to like put certain keywords or you have to kind of tell a little bit about yourself. So it kind of knows how you want to be, you know, talking on the, so explain that a little bit. Yeah. So, so typically the way I started off is I actually tell it about myself first. I tell it, I'm going to have you write an article on this subject, but first I'd like to tell you about the perspective I want you to write the article from. And then I start going through my values, what it is my business is trying to convey to my clientele. And then when I give it a subject or an area, I feed it you know, all, a pretty common set of instructions that I've now got kind of copied into a Word document, making sure that it's going to be answering specific questions that I find on that, you know, in that uh, Google search queue. So it's solving all those problems. It's touching on landmark restaurants so that even though someone, when they're looking for a house, they're not going to be asking about a specific restaurant possibly. But if, if, it, if my article has a bunch of information about you know, popular restaurants in the same area that they're looking, all that information does help going towards, you know, uh, going towards our SEO ranking and, uh, and pushes it up. So you want to have a ton of information, not just about the housing market, but about the communities that you're actually serving within. Yeah, that's crazy. And you've already seen like an uptick in the lead flow that you've gotten from that yeah. just by doing that. And then, yeah, go into that a little bit. So it's funny because, uh, and you remember when I when this happened. So I was really sick a few weeks back uh, right. in the middle of uh, January. Right. And while I was really sick, I couldn't do anything. I was stuck in bed. And that's when I fell into the rabbit hole of ChatGPT. So I can like very specifically know the week that I had added all this information into my web uh, websites, you know? <laughs> And as soon as I added it in, and as soon as I had my websites re-indexed by Google, all of a sudden, that's where my impressions and my clicks started going up. You know, 5x wow. on the clicks, 10x on the impressions, like within, uh, within 14 days of when I had finished doing the new fresh crawl. And it just slowly started, you know, going up higher. And now it's kind of staying up high. And I'm just, you know, my goal right now is to keep giving it more information so that, you know, our website has more information about our communities than anywhere else online. You know, mm -hmm. I want you know, our community pages to have more information about that neighborhood than like they can find on Wikipedia or anywhere like that and have it be meaningful information. And 
And one of the keys is, is that ChatGPT is giving you all this. It's cutting down the time, but you still have to do a lot of work. Uh, one other thing I didn't mention before is that I don't have it write the essay or the, uh, you know, the articles right off the bat. I have it give me an outline of my article and then I can actually move around the outline. So it gives me a nice structured outline, like an essay outline, and I That's can restructure crazy. it or add in subjects I think it may have missed. That way, when it actually writes the full article, I, I've kind of put it in a way that I think makes sense and represents us and I can get rid of things that don't make sense for us or add in a subject that I think it touched on that I'm like, oh, actually we should expand upon this. And as I have it expand upon it, um, you know, it starts going the direction of which where it sounds more authentic, like it's coming from me because I'm giving it more information. So it's able to give me more of what I'm looking for. And one last thing uh, that's really big is, is that you let it know that if it, if it has a question about the article it's writing and instead of guessing or uh, omitting a fact, if it doesn't know the right answer to actually ask you. So you can have it instead of just automatically writing an article, but you, you can tell it to you know, ask me if you're missing a number or, or a correct statistic. If you can add a useful piece of information to this article that you're missing, ask me and I'll give you that piece of information. Because a lot of the time chat GPT is not good at is uh, current stats, current housing market data. That's what I was going to say. One thing I want to uh, talk about there is when I've put information in chat GPT, I think it said something like it can't get information past 2021 right now is uh -huh. that just because they're still working on it because it's know? still crawling the internet and and so you oh, don't want to be wow. using okay. it for current events for current news you know current news going on current mortgage rates for instance it wouldn't be able to write an article um when i have it talk about for instance uh real estate market data in fresno or clovis like it'll say like uh you know the median home price is you know three hundred and twenty thousand dollars because it's thinking it's seeing data from a couple years ago and that's the majority mm -hmm. of data online so you definitely want to be don't be having it write things and just posting it. You want to be proofreading, you know, wordsmithing, making sure everything's accurate and correcting any market stats, right? Because you're the professional in your industry. But as far as getting a framework and putting together like compelling speech, uh, it can do it honestly in a way better than me. And right. uh, I mean, I told you- that And one, save you so much time. Save me so much time. Hours. I, I used to right. write a blog article, you know, once a month. And now I'm trying to do one, you know, every couple of days. And I honestly could be doing it every day, uh, but I feel like I was writing too much. But uh, yeah, your product produ or productivity, the amount of time I spend doing those articles, now I can do, you know, 15 articles a month as opposed to one. It takes the same amount of time. And I honestly think the quality went up because I'm, I'm still putting myself into those articles, but the amount of work that's getting done, you know, before me ahead of time is it, it cuts down the time tremendously. So this is on your Trafton team website. I Correct. have it on both. I have it both on our MLS portal on the Fresno housing market.com. That's okay. where I use a lot of community stuff. And then on the Traft and home team website, that's where I have it more so going into talking about us and what we do inside the community. And, and when I tell it what we're doing in the community and I tell it what our production numbers are, what our accomplishments are, what's interesting is that it can use that information now that it has it to be dropping all that information intelligently, you know, into your articles so that it's writing it from the perspective of an agent that closed, you know, X million dollars last year and that specializes in this specific community. And it'll make mentions of these things. And sometimes you might wordsmith it around, but I mean, it, it finds ways of adding these things in that I never would have thought of adding them in. And uh, I have a cool story. I told you about this, I think, uh, before, but I'd had it write a really cool article about the history of the Fresno Grizzlies. Mm. And, um, and it was an interesting article all about the, the history of the Fresno Grizzlies in Fresno. And I had to write it from the perspective. And this is the first experience I had writing it from a different perspective. I had had to write it from my perspective with a story that I'd had from my very first Grizzlies game that I'd ever been to uh, with my stepdad. 
And then I had, after I had written it, I had actually sent it to my stepfather and been like, Hey, I wrote this article. I talked about you in it. What do you think about it? And, uh, he gave me all this praise. It was one of the, he didn't know I was such a fantastic writer. And he was like, wow. He's like, this is impressive. And, and, and it was really funny. And That's then I felt hilarious. almost guilty. Cause I, I, I was ready to tell him I, you know, a computer wrote that. And all I did was kind of edit it up. I told mm -hmm. it about my story, but it actually put together a really interesting article where it included all my real life experience and what I was trying to convey, but it did it in, you know, an editorial way that I would never have been able to accomplish. Dude. So something that I've seen on chat GPT is all the negativity right now around, you know, schooling teachers worried that kids are just going to use it to write their essays. But the reality is that's just the way the world is going. And I think we have to embrace it in our business and just embrace AI in our business as well, because it's just, it's here to stay. And it's only going to get more and more progressive as things go on. You yeah. Know? And I think it's an efficiency tool. I think that like when the kids, I think you run into a problem when the kids value the grade more than the education, then right. they're kind of cheating themselves. Cause who are they going to cheat in the end? Nobody <clears throat> today is asking you in your professional life, what grades you got in high school. Right. And to be honest, no, they, the grade, would, they would be very, very sorry. <laughs> that they, yeah. But, yeah. but, and to be honest, the grades didn't matter, but what education you actually got during that time, that was more important. Right. Right. And so like kids using it to cheat, you know, or to, to do work for them, they're going to end up cheating themselves is really who they're cheating. So, I mean, that's where they're valuing the grade higher than the education, but I, I see it purely as an efficiency tool. So I don't see it as a bad thing at all. I think that, you know, the Indians invented us, you know, they have a spear, all of a sudden they can catch more fish. And now some people can go working on some other, you know, job. It's through efficiency that we're able to spread out and do other things. And so whenever I see efficiency, you know, all the way down to like the, the you know, computer kiosks checking you out, I don't understand why people get so scared about it. Cause, right. uh, you know, those are the paying man. jobs people yeah. want to begin with anyways. Uh, mm -hmm. those are the things that that's through efficiency is how we have abundance and how we get to have all these fancy things we have in America, you know? So hundred percent people are just scared of change Yeah, regardless. Yeah. And they so. were scared of the typewriter, you know, yeah, and the sure. TV and <laughs> yeah. so. so I, I think this, I think it's gonna, I'm super curious how integral like this is going to end up getting built and other things. Like I was talking with one of my uh, clients who's in the medical industry and he was talking about how just wait till like. ChatGPT has access to all medical records and can like look at your x-rays and instead of a doctor figuring out ChatGPT has looked at all the x-rays of everybody that was po you know uh, positive for this cancer for this disease and it'll be able to different I mean just imagine when it starts getting implemented and things like that and wow, figuring yeah. out problems you have before your doctors can figure it out because if it's looking for all these patterns I mean there's so many cool things that this is you know and going towards. No. And I mentioned this before the podcast, but I was on this mastermind, this forward mastermind call. And there was a guy on there speaking and uh, really big in the paid ads has a big company. And he was talking about new technology that's coming out. And there's actually something where you can record your voice and it will learn how you talk. It will even know your pauses and you'll be able to basically have a full, or it will have a full, a full conversation for you. So you could be talking to 10, 15 people at a time on a massive scale, not you specifically, but the computer, and it will know how to answer people and the whole thing, which is just crazy to think about. I mean, and I'm sure people will use this, you oh, know, yeah. in anything, in oh, big yeah. companies that, that maybe gets rid of a lot of the, um, I guess, virtual assistants and other people of that nature, if you don't need them. So, yeah, well, I mean, just think uh, of all the you know, the efficiency of the automated call system and how now whenever you call anywhere, you never get a real person, but you're talking to the computer anyways. But just think when they can implement the amount of like the, the articulate nature of chat GPT into like something like that, how much Gosh. more efficient 
like all that is, then it'll eliminate the and need to push zero and try to get someone on the line because it, we'll be able to get further along with a computer than we could with a real person. hundred percent and available 24 <laughs> seven can call them anytime. I oh, mean, yeah. imagine where you, you know, if you could call your bank any time of the day and get a hold of someone immediately and get your questions answered immediately, that's where things are going. Or if it had access to your files, your client calls in, logs in with a pin code, and then they can ask it any question about their file. And instead of you having to be available, your AI assistant, that's you has access to the file, can tell them when the close is, can tell them when their documents do. Wow, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, like just eliminate so many things to keep people more informed. Like, I think it's a super exciting thing. I can't wait to see what, like, I'm already a paid member of the chat GPT for the, you know, the little perks you get now, but I'm super curious when they start integrating into other businesses, like uh, into like Salesforce, for instance, or something right, like that. You right, know, right, right. all the different cool features, because I think we're barely scratching the surface of what like, oh, this kind of intelligence yeah. can do. Just at the beginning. To kind of change subject, man. So, You've been in real estate. Kind of tell pe people a little bit about your background. So you got into real estate how long? Four years ago? I've been five, five years now. Yeah, okay. five years in real estate. It's been about three and a half, four years since I've stopped all of their businesses and gone full kill real estate. Uh, and what were you doing before that? What other businesses? I was I was in lending before. So, okay. uh, but unsecured lending, not not mortgage lending. But uh, so we we did payday lending and check cashing, and I had chain of stores that did that. And uh, and then before that, I was a BDR for another lending company. And, uh, so I was always in lending, uh, and I kind of fell into real estate. Actually, I planned on just getting my real estate license. Cause I wanted to be able to flip houses for my, you know, sell my own flips. I had never used a realtor when I bought my own house. Uh, so it was kind of funny that I came into it with zero experience of even the typical average home buyer. And I think that actually ended up helping me out when I first started, because I was going about it, how I thought the process really should be mm -hmm. as opposed to how everybody's been taught that it's kind of done. Right. And, uh, so I felt like it was almost a blessing that I hadn't experienced it, you know? And then next thing you know, as I fell into it, I realized all the potential in real estate. And it was the first time that I didn't have my eyes on a bunch of things, but my blind, like I had the blinders on and all I could focus on this. Cause there's so much that you can do to master, you know, in this industry that th there's really no reason for me to be looking anywhere else. There's, there's too much here to still learn. Yeah. One thing I've learned about you and learned from you is all the implementation of technology that you use. So chat GTP, uh, GPT we've talked about, but also paid advertising. Yeah. So how have you used that in your business? Because I know a lot of realtors, they use Zillow, they use realtor.com, they pay you know an exorbitant amount of money and you are pulling leads on Google for less than 300 bucks. Um, oh yeah. You know, for a month of advertising. Yeah. So kind of go into that a little bit and explain that. Cause I think that's powerful to a lot of realtors. Yeah. So I, so one of the interesting things when I first got licensed is I'd see all these realtors, uh, and this will circle right back to what you're asking. I see all these realtors like share their new listing and uh, it's like the Zillow link, uh, to their new listing and they don't own their own traffic. They're, they're sending it through these other conglomerates that are then taking your traffic and selling it to another realtor. And then they're buying the traffic off Zillow as they're pushing their clients to Zillow. And I never really understood it because then they don't own their client. It's kind of this weird, uh, middleman thing. And the amount of money that they charge, it just didn't make sense to me. And it didn't seem like you're building a business. It seemed like you're buying business. You know, you're buying traffic, you're buying right. clients. And I definitely knew I didn't want to be in that market. I wanted to have, I wanted to own my traffic and have, you know, and be pulling my own clientele and not buying clients. And so, mm. so instead, everything that we do is, is all through our websites. When we're sharing a property, you know, it's through our websites. When we're sharing a market update, it's through our websites. So that way, when someone's trafficking through, we're the only people there for them to reach out to when they schedule a showing we're the people that they're going to ask when they ask for more information it's all coming to us as opposed to some random agent that zillow or truly is going to be selling you know the lead to 
And so that that's the basis, first off, is having a good place where with all your information that the clients can go to as opposed to using third parties. Once you've built that out and you have a place for these clients to be kind of funneling into and using technology to be touching them, because I'm like efficiency talking about ChatGPT. Right. My whole business, I think, is all built off trying to figure out efficiency to where you could build out a system once and then for the next 10 years, it's going to continue working in the background and making you more productive, right? And so I definitely spent the first couple of years building out the background of all these websites and our you know, CRM and making all that work properly. But as soon as all that was in place and I was tired of spending money buying leads, I realized the other thing was, is everybody spends all this money on their video marketing and it's really only advertising to their friends. They're not actually uh, reaching new people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so through the ChatGPT SEO stuff, uh, you know, that's our free way of getting, you know, uh, leads and whatnot, but we've been using YouTube ads primarily. Um, and that's what I was, yeah, that's yeah. what I was talking about to other people. It, it's the ads you do are crazy. You do a commercial basically, right? With a family walking through the home. Yeah. We, we, that we bit. treat it like a commercial. Cause I see it like, as if that's the new, new TV, I don't watch TV. I, I haven't seen a TV ad in a long time, but I know those were like the, you know, the Cadillac of advertising was a TV placement and now everybody's on right. YouTube. And, uh, you can choose, I mean, the targeting abilities on YouTube, I think are stronger, at least in the real estate market than other markets or than other avenues right now that have kind of taken away our, our ability to target the neighborhoods we're looking for. But YouTube kind of still has it there and, uh, average cost per click wise, uh, YouTube's made more sense for us. And I think then instead of buying, buying a client from a Zillow or something like that, you're building brand recognition and your average, it's more of a long-term hold where even though we're getting the traffic from the clicks, but even every person that doesn't click that ad still is doing something and it's bringing us value long-term as opposed to, you know, all the people that Zillow didn't send to us, we have no benefit to that. And, right. and we're never going to own that traffic. And this is bringing people into our ecosystem. And a lot of those people, you know, if they're not ready to make the decision, you know, then, then it wouldn't have worked at Zillow anyways, but because now they're on our ecosystem, we're going to be able to keep touching them and keep reaching out to them. And when they are ready, now we're going to be the ones that are, you know, serving them because we've captured them into our, you know, circle of websites. And, and what does that look like? So you get a lead that just comes into your, you know, your, your CRM yeah. and you have a follow-up. How, uh -huh. you know, how long is that follow-up? Typically, are you emailing them, calling them, texting them? Yeah. So I do a little bit of everything. I, I do less calls than probably everybody else. Everybody's really heavy into as soon as a lead comes in. We're, we're calling them every, you know, six times in 10 minutes. And, and I come from a place where I want to advertise the way I would like to be advertised to. Uh, I, I get very turned off from pushy people. I get very turned off from cold callers when I've told them I'm not interested and they're continue calling me back or I reject the call and they call me right back. I'm like, right. I'm busy. And so I, I know that I have kind of an unconventional approach to this, but initially the key is, is that as soon as they come to our traffic, they're going to get all of our digital reach outs, right? Uh, you know, an automatic text message, uh, automatic email. And, um, and then, and then I personally try to personally reach out and text them. I'll call them once and I leave a message and the rest from there, I keep it digital unless I see signs of them wanting to work with me. Dude, if, if they're not having yeah. signs to work with me, then I don't want to trouble them. I just want to give them the value they're looking for. Cause you may have what they're looking for, Mm -hmm. But if you turn them off with this, then they're going to leave your website and they're going to stop using website to look at houses. So I want to only feed them what they're looking for at the time. And then, and then the website's tracking when I start seeing someone favoriting a lot of properties, they start, you know, not even requesting a tour yet, but they, they're doing hot activity, you know, activities, right. Then it's time to start calling. Cause now the, you know, they're warmed up. It means they're the right person. Dude, hundred percent. Um, I think that text messaging is the new follow-up. I oh, just yeah. don't think calling people over and over again is as effective as it used to be. 
That's what I do. I do yeah. actually a first call. I try to get a hold of them on the phone. I leave a voicemail. I shoot them a text message and then I send them my welcome email and it says, Hey, welcome to the Claypool group. Yada, yada, yada. Here's the application. Here's the documents that you're going to need to provide. Yeah. And after that, I actually have it on the board up here because I was training my loan officers day one, day three, day five, day seven, day 10, day 12, day 15 with just text messages, but gentle text messages, not pushy. No. And people just respond trying to, to add that. value. Yes. And yeah. people respond to that. They'll mm -hmm. respond on day 15. And it's funny because they will act like they didn't see any of the other text messages. Yeah. And I'll say, oh, yeah, I'm looking to buy now. I'm like, okay, do you not see the other eight text messages I, that I sent you? So I can't, it, I completely powerful. agree. Yeah. I mean, and, and you have to keep it going. And that's one of the reasons why drips and like automated automation is so huge. Because I mean, you want to have personal touches as well. Like the, it's all worthless without personal touches, but the drips are so important because like, like you were just saying, I'll have someone that messages me back finally on like the 45th text message we've sent. And right. like, I know I personally would not keep sending messages 45 times if I'm getting ignored every time, but because my computer's doing it, I don't, and, and I know they're value adding messages, mm -hmm. only offering information, you know, and not trying to sell them that, uh, you know, they don't block it. They don't cancel. They don't mm -hmm. say stop, you know, they just kind of let them come and they kind of ignore them. And when they're ready, when the time is right, they raise their hand and now we're there waiting for them. Whereas if I was hounding them when they weren't ready, I don't think they'd reach out to me, you know? Right. So it's just figuring out what, if, if someone's at the beginning stage and they haven't talked to you yet, then what is the valuable items that you can be offering them until you get that contact? Let me ask you this. So when you're doing that follow-up or you have your text messages, you know, going out to them, um, is it two separate numbers? Like your personal number? Cause that's the thing that I didn't personally like. I didn't like two separate numbers going out, but it still worked. It worked well. So tell me about yeah. that. So that was some getting used to it. And I, and I did a couple different things before I kind of settled to how I have it now. So now I have it set up where I, cause I didn't want it to seem like it was like, I'm trying to pretend like it's me. Right. right. Uh, I felt like that was not authentic. And one of the big things I want to be is authentic. And so I let them know, you know, Hey, this is uh, the client, uh, client care specialist reaching out and it's, and they're reaching out for everything. The moment I get them to contact back, I like that then through the texting that hands them off to me personally. So it's not me Smart. following them up as Balin all the time. It's, it's our website is following up with them. Our client care specialist is following up with them. And then as soon as they raise their hand, as soon as they respond, I set up the appointment via the text messaging with Balin Trafton over here, you know, in his personal right. cell phone number. So that way it's like, it's more of like an experience. Like now I'm going to hand you off to the guy that's going to be taking care of you. And, and part of that, then the dynamic's different. It's not me, Balin Trafton, that's been reaching out, hounding someone to work with me. It's that we've been adding value. They raised their hand. Now they're doing the handoff to me. And I think that the dynamic that you're working with a client, you're doing them a favor more so than they're doing you a favor by working with you, you know, because mm -hmm. you had something to offer to them. That's powerful, man. So do you create your own drip campaigns and text message campaigns so it's more authentic to yourself or how exactly? 100%. So I'll be honest. I started off, I had uh, I had taken like all the Tom Ferry scripts and all their campaigns they recommend. And I downloaded all that stuff. And then I would just, I, I like, cause it had, there's a method to it, you know, on the things it's offering and the things it was asking, but I didn't like how robotic it felt. So same thing, just similar to like chat GPT. I went through wordsmithed it and through every, every contact that's on there, I've reworded it. I've added, like, I've taken the subject that the message is offering about and then made it more hyper-local about our area, mentioning, you know, mentioning me, mentioning our team, you know, I just personalized it to us, but right. I mean, it's very basic. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really just uh, reaching out and, you know, like there's different things that trigger different reach outs. So, like I have it, like if they're, if they're repetitively looking at, you know, houses uh, or they favorited a bunch of houses, it's going to be asking them if, 
if, hey, we've seen you favor a lot of houses recently. Can we get you inside for a showing on any of these houses? You know, you know, just asking them a question where it's, it's something where they want to answer it, you know, or, hey, we've seen you've been looking at a lot of houses, you know, around 400 to 450. Like, do you, would you, are you curious what a payment looks like on 400 to 450? Would you like me to set that up for you? You know, but asking them questions that we know that they're wondering as they're looking at the houses, as opposed to, are you working with an agent? You know, when right. do you, you know what I mean? When do you want to see this? Or when can I show you a house? Or when can I schedule a buyer's consultation? And then when they reach out with, or then they actually have that question that we have value to add, that's right. when we convert them to a consultation meeting because we let them know after we give them that, that information they're requesting, hey, we often find the next best step, you know, moving forward is to have a consultation where we can answer a lot of these questions that maybe you're not even aware that you should be asking yet. Uh and, and that's where we convert them. But then we go to the conversion, but I'm not trying to convert people early. You know, I, I think the big thing is I'm not trying to scare them out of our pond. I'm trying to leave them in our ecosystem. All right. That's good, man. I'm, I like that. Yeah. That's good right there. I'm not trying to scare them out of the pond. I'm trying to leave them in the ecosystem. Well, cause, and you can do it. I mean, you have a really pushy, real aggressive, and some of these websites have real aggressive follow-up campaigns. Right. And I just know me, I don't respond well to that. Yeah. I and I know I hate, I hate spam. Calls. And a lot yeah, of people do, but I, you know, uh, Joshua Smith has like where, do you want to work with the people that aren't like you? Or are you trying to look for the, to work with people that you attract by being you, you know, like what's your avatar, what's your perfect client. 100%. And what I realized is, is advertise to people that are like me, and then we'll probably enjoy working together anyways more, you know, the type of person that needs to be bullied into a call, into an appointment, or needs to be kind of pushed into a house. That's not the client I want. Cause I'm not pushy. And if they're, if they need to be pushed, we're probably right. not going to get the deal, you know, deal done. I, I'm more of uh, serving my clients. I'm not going to walk, you know, force them into something. And I, I think, the people that need to be forced into a transaction or forced into a relationship. I don't, right. I don't need that. And then they could have buyer's remorse. They can have all sorts of issues yeah. later down the road where they don't want to refer you business or they leave a bad review. So yeah, I, you know, giving the value first, that's actually something I'm focused on in 2023 In 2021 and 2022. Um, I was told by so many co mortgage coaches, call realtors, ask them for business, yada, 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 over and over and over again. And every loan officer, because the business went down, started doing that. So it just became noise. So uh -huh. moving into 23, I was like, okay, I'm not just going to be spam calling realtors asking for business anymore. I'm going to figure out how can I provide the most absolute value to people. And if I have to, you know, call them and tell them about the market or something like that, that's different. Uh -huh. But just to call realtors and just, hey, can I have your business? It's like, no, like you're not providing anything to get their business. Right? Yeah. So that's something that I've learned in 2023 and why I've kind of done these business things, you know, the business planning event and some other stuff that I've coming up and really trying to like push that. Because your client is the the customer or the person buying the house. Our client, a lot of the times, is both. It's the yeah. realtors, business to business and business to client. So I think that's that's huge, man. Providing the absolute most value possible leads to like exponential growth. And we've noticed it even in like the last like two months. Instead of just blowing people up, like how can we help? How can we be of service? Yeah. Or, well, know? I so, told you if I was a lender, if I was a brand new lender, the first thing I'd be doing to get agents on your side. You remember? I don't remember. No. Uh, I said, if I was a lender and this is why I would, cause I think realtors would love this. And I think that they'd find value in it is it's hard as a realtor to have reliable people that want to work open houses with you and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, and then all these lenders, I see all these lenders driving to open houses to meet realtors. But if I was a lender, I think the better way to go about it is on Wednesday, look up all the best open houses that are going on this weekend, call all those agents ahead of time and be like, Hey, which one of you, or do you have a lender that's willing to sit that open house with you? I know it can, you know, I know it can be overwhelming with everybody coming through the open house. I'd love to help you with your open house. 
sit the open house with you. I can bring some treats, but like having something to assist right there. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, heck, then you're going to spend two, three hours with this real, I mean, how can you not hit it off and end up working together? Like, right. I mean, no, that's even, a great idea, man. You heard it from Balin. I mean, the so lenders are watching this. You all know now each time I've connected one of, you know, one of our realtors that's doing open house with us. And then we put another right. new lender in there. They become best friends by the end of it. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. I just, if I, if I was a lender every weekend, I'd be like, oh, Saturdays, I'm going to find a strange new realtor to let them know, hey, I'm dedicated on these. If you do up, if they're an open house realtor and they have a night and then you get to choose which house it is, instead of waiting for one of your realtors to call you and ask you to work, you know, a $300,000 open house, you can choose your target neighborhood, your target price point, who you're trying to acquire right? and literally go work with that, you know, and find that agent. And, you know, if because most agents, they don't have le- a lot of the time, probably half the time, they don't have a lender at their open house. Right. And I know it's, a huge benefit having a lender at the open house, able to answer people's questions, you know, and most the, a lot of lenders aren't willing to go, you know, so I think that's yeah. a huge one. It's kind of similar to that, uh, or this is kind of similar to that, you know, learning from Jeremy and I already was doing this, but seeing him at his level of success, um, be still so available for all of his realtors, like after hours on weekends, like that's what it takes. And most loan officers don't want to do that. They don't want to be available for the open house. They don't want to be available after hours. Realtors work after hours, right? Yeah. Realtors yeah. work on weekends, on Sundays. And loan officers sometimes are like, okay, we're clocked out at five. Or uh-huh. like I'm clocked out on the weekend. And so that's why they, a lot of times they don't produce at the level they want. The people that are producing at the highest level on the loan officer side are available basically 24 seven. So I think open houses, providing that value, being available 24 seven. And if you're a lender in this industry, you gotta be hungry. Like you gotta be willing to put in the work. Otherwise you're not gonna succeed because they're gonna go to somebody like Jeremy or myself or other lenders that I know that are available 24 seven. It's gonna pick up. Exactly. I've been in this situation so many times when, uh, you know, a buyer, I mean, the buyer will be talking to a lender the whole time leading up. And then finally when ready to go put an offer on a house and it's time to hurry up and get that prequal or it's time to get that prequal like change or something like that. They can't get a hold of the lender. They start losing their mind and they want to all of a sudden switch. I mean, the loyalty yep. until we're under contract is so loose, especially like on the lending side. I it's, it's huge to be able to actually be available. And the big thing is, is the more available you are, the more free time you end up having anyways. Like I find the more I end up when I was working, you know, working all the weekends and working late at night is kind of how, Finally, now I can block off Sundays most of the time it's right. because of, you know, going through all those things ahead of time, but, but the, if, yeah. especially when you're trying to build momentum, you've got to be available. We're, we're in a business where our clients are usually working through the day and the time that they're available is in the evenings and on the weekends. And that's just the way it is. Yep. So the perk is, is that, Hey, on Tuesdays we get to maybe sleep until 9am, you know, yep. if we really <laughs> want to, uh, cause right. nobody's out looking at a house at, you know, 8am. T- so take that as a, as a pro and then be ready to work at 730. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, I think we'll, uh, dude, thank you for coming on, dude. We'll oh, finish yeah. this off. I want to leave it, uh, for you to say one last thing, man, something that's super impactful. I'm just going off on a whim here, man. Just trying to figure out something that, that can provide as much value to people as possible to leave with. So, yeah, uh, man off the cuff. Well, I'll tell you what, I just was given a book and it was called, uh, the one word. Okay. And what was interesting about that was an easy read, but, uh, the whole book I could sum up, you know pretty much into a couple words. So it was talking about new year's resolutions. We all set goals every year, business goals, all these things. And instead of overcomplicating it with all those things, simplifying what one word would kind of accomplish all your goals, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, so this year for me, I chose discipline, you know, 
But, uh, and because in the end, all the problems that I'm trying to solve this year, I realized would all be solved if I had even more discipline, you know? Right. And so, I don't know. I think in the business, you know, uh, oftentimes if we wrote all our problems on one piece, on a piece of paper, we could probably find there's probably one thing that's keeping us from accomplishing all those things. And we don't have to overcomplicate it, focus on the simple part. And then like, for me, I know if I'm more disciplined on when I wake up, if I'm more disciplined on when I get all my calls done, if I'm more disciplined on all those things, I'm going to hit all my goals and all the problems I had last year aren't going to be there. So, uh, anyways, maybe, maybe that'll help out, no, figure out what your word is for the year and make it simple. Cause in the end, all these things, like all the chat GBT, all the online stuff, it's only complicated when we talk about it from a bird's eye view, but it's all really stupid, simple when you break it down item by item, if you just execute and do it. So it's just like being disciplined, waking up, getting it done, moving on to the next thing. And then that's set up and it's done. Like all those drips, I did those years ago mm -hmm. and I fine tuned them, but they're done years ago. I haven't had to redo them or do it from scratch. Right. It's about getting the action done now when you're thinking about it, not waiting and planning on it being done a few years from now. Start planting seeds now. Love that, dude. That's really good. Um, where can they find you? And are you still recruiting agents onto your team? Yeah, we are recruiting. Uh, yep. Traftonhometeam.com. And there's a spot where you can actually apply if, if you are interested in getting licensed or if you are licensed, but you want to take your game up to the next level, reach out to us on there. And then uh, say, even if you just have any questions, if you see something we're doing and you're curious about it, I'm, I'm an open book. Feel free to reach out. I'm happy to you know, open up any information I have to you guys. Awesome. Thank you for coming on, dude.